What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Self Helpless. I'm Kelsey Cook. I'm Delaney Fisher. And today we're going to be doing a review of a documentary that came out recently on Netflix that a lot of people have been loving and talking about. It's the Stutz documentary, S-T-U-T-Z. And uh, we just really loved it. Delaney, uh, do you want to yeah. tell people a little bit about it? Sure. Yeah. So if you haven't uh, watched it yet, it's it's just about um, Jonah Hill and his psychiatrist, Phil Stutz. And it's a lot about Phil's like visual model of therapy, what he's developed over the decades of, you know, his work as a psychiatrist. But it gets really personal on both ends. You know, Jonah Hill reveals a lot of information about himself and Phil Stutz also reveals a lot of information about him himself. Right. And it's just, I don't know, I it captured me right away. I don't know how you feel about it, mm-hmm. Kels, but like I was really hooked early on, especially because there's a pretty big reveal um, early on in the documentary that I was yes. like, okay, I'm in, I'm finishing this entire thing. <laughs> me so, too. Yeah. yeah. And I loved, um, if you're a visual learner, I think this is something that's going to be super helpful for you. I think sometimes for people, um, myself included, that certain self-help books can feel a little like easy to nod off as you're reading them yes right it can be can be pretty dense can sometimes feel like you're reading the same sort of thing over and over and i loved this documentary because it's combining phil stutz explaining his therapy tools with these visuals and they're also very simple visuals i love them you like stick figures and things where but it really it stays in my mind. Like I can close yes. my eyes and even picture what his drawings were. And I think it's, there's something about it that really does get through to people. I love it. It's just so incredibly authentic. The fact that he will draw these up for his clients and then give them, give the drawing to the client to carry around or keep at their desk or whatever. Um, I just love that. I just love when anybody is just being completely themselves and doing something differently in their work and yeah it just really spoke to me and I thought it was really just inspiring to see how they created this documentary too and you know they documented a lot of different things not knowing what the fuck it was going to turn out to be and I just I love that me too and I've mentioned a, a long time ago that one of the therapists that I saw when I was living in Seattle was an art therapist who I'd never, I had never seen somebody like that before. I'd never tried that technique, but the sessions always involved us doing some form of art to work out whatever I was going through. 
And so Phil isn't an art therapist. Like he's not really having Jonah Hill do these art things, but that's kind of that concept where he's giving the person the drawing. And I still have things from my therapy sessions in Seattle where it's things that I made, which I think is also very, um, like it really sticks with you for a long time where you're like, oh, I made this and this, this feels authentic to me. And I think there's just something about that. Yeah. I love it. Well, before we get into all the goodness, Kels, you want to plug your tour dates and all that good stuff? Yes. So this is coming out on January 23rd, which means I will have just been in Raleigh. And um, I hope it was awesome. I hope that I got to meet some of you helpsters. And then I will be in Philadelphia and Portland in February. In March, I'm in Cincinnati, Kearney, Minneapolis. April, I'm in San Francisco, Rosemont, Chicago, and Denver. And then so many more tour dates coming up. So you can go to KelseyCook.com and get those tickets. I love it. Fantastic. Yes. Um, so, hey, if you are a licensed mental health professional or you are in training to become one, I would love to have you over at the Minimalist Business Podcast at DelaneyFisher.com. It is a private show, but it's completely free. You can access it on my website. And I am just, I'm, I'm just loving it. Um, if you've been tuning in for a while and you've heard me mention, um, you know, my consultancy and my podcast over there, I recently changed the direction of my consultancy where we've really niched down to solely working with mental health professionals. And Mm -hmm. already just the past couple months, I'm starting to get a lot of cool things happening in the space where people are kind of starting to look at me as like this hub of support for mental health professionals. And so we have like a lot of like media popping in, um, asking if we could, you know, refer them to people and stuff like that. So I've just been fucking loving it. Um, so yeah, we're going to be kind of nurturing that a lot. So if you're a mental health provider and you want to know about some last minute media features and, you know, those types of things, as well as free resources and podcast episodes and all that, We'd love to have you. Just come on over, DelaneyFisher.com. All entrepreneurs and business owners are welcome, but um, you know that's who we kind of support officially. Yeah, that's so cool. I'm very proud of you. I love it. So fun. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's do it. Should we kick it off with a quote? Yes, please. What do you I, have? Uh, this is a quote from the documentary. This is a Stutz quote. Um, and I will say, and- if you love quotes... <laughs> Oh yeah. The quotable portion of this podcast. I really think you will love the Stutz, the Stutz documentary because it's just incredible nuggets of, of quotes and wisdom over and over. Absolutely. So this one says, think of a particularly difficult problem you have in your life right now, and then try this first. Think of the problem as a random hardship occurring in an unthinking universe that doesn't care about you or your evolution. How does that feel? I mean, that would probably feel like shit, right? Now, think of the same problem as a challenge posed by a, by a universe that wants you to evolve and knows that you can. How does that feel? Uh, I love that. I love Just that. Just even too. looking at reframing hardships or adversity, like reframing, like what is this trying to teach me or bring out of me? Or what kind of strength is it, you know, building? I think that's just... If you have to pick one option of how to view something, why not pick that one? Right. If you can't control that something is happening to you, right? you don't wish it was, it's like, well, what can you learn from it? Right. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of a lot of the lessons that he teaches are founded in stuff like that, which is really great. Exactly. It's like you can just control how you feel about it and think about it and what you do with it. Yeah. You know? It's empowering. I love anything that is empowering like that. So Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, so just a little bit of a, of a setup of like the three aspects, um, that, you know, according to Stutz, this is like the, the reality of the universe in a way, um, there's always going to be pain. There's always going to be uncertainty and there's always going to be constant work. Um, and that's kind of where his process starts. And then he goes over all these different tools. We're going to cover a lot of them today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they dive really deep into just personal stuff as well. So I think um, Pels and I are just going to talk about maybe what resonated most with us and yeah. maybe some personal experiences of our own. So Kelsey, yeah, what is the <laughs> number one thing that really like stayed with you from this? Well, 
to start, he said something that uh, was funny to me because he said that when he got into therapy, he had found, I think he was talking about before he met Phil maybe, that he felt like shrinks would just listen to him but like wouldn't give him – like he was going to them to get advice and have their expertise. And then his friends who he would want to just listen, his friends were the ones trying to give him advice. And he was like, dude, no, I just – I just want you to listen. And I felt like that's something that a lot of people can relate to because I've definitely had experiences with um, with therapists in the past. Not that they w- weren't good therapists, but I think they wanted me to try to figure it out for myself. Right. Which, of course, is valuable. But I think there's also something to, like, wanting a little guidance from somebody that you find to be an expert yes. <laughs> in, in the thing you're you're talking to them about. And then you, we've all had times where friends just like can try to give you so much advice, and you're like, "Oh man, I really just wanted you to listen right now." <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I uh, I totally resonated with that because if I don't know for me, I I seek support in that area because I don't really know what the healthiest response to a situation is or how to implement that, and so for me to try to figure it out on my own, it's like, well, I don't have four plus years to go educate myself on what you're right. trained in. Maybe right. you can give me a hot tip. <laughs> right. That's, that's what I love with. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, I have had that, the, that experience too, but um, I know that there's a, there's value in like processing information and just that. But um, I think there's like a wall that you hit where you're like, okay, I want some like practical tools and I do want you to give me advice and guidance. Right. No. So I just, I, I thought that that was funny, but one of the tools yeah. that stood out most to me was when he talked about the shadow and yeah. we have talked on self-helpless before about trying to understand your shadow self and Phil Stutz describes it as the part of you that you wish you were not and that you can't get rid of. Yeah. And there's something about that that really struck me because when he says you can't get rid of it just like your shadow right you you cannot get rid of your physical shadow but i think we all um sometimes at least i get into that trap of trying to fix something permanently or like um butter myself in a way where something uh, like a part of me that i don't want to be is gone yeah and i think that's noble and good to strive for being a better person, but I also like this idea that there there are parts of you that are just you, right? And that like you can try to work on, but that you need to also just accept and be like, okay, um, this is who I am. This is a weakness. I will always try to be improving on it. But rather than trying to turn a blind eye to it, you're like, how can I incorporate this? And I love it and not cut this. I used to try to like really sever my shadow. And that was back when, um, I really didn't love myself. And I think for me, if there was like any arc for me in this podcast, it's going like starting the podcast, not loving myself and being at a place now where I do and how much that has changed every part of my life. Mm, That's huge. That's so awesome, Kels, too. Well, thanks. What a a very powerful transformation. Um, I did, I loved the shadow stuff. I loved when, I don't know if Jonah did it himself or they they brought out a picture of Jonah as a, you know, a teenager or something where it was like, this is like, this is my shadow. This is who I don't want to acknowledge that I am or was. And, you know, it's just at his most insecure point of his life. You know, he doesn't like how he looks. He didn't like how he felt. And he talked about it. And we saw the photo on the documentary. And I was like, oh my God, I resonate that with so much. I actually, in school, when you would get like your photos back from picture day or whatever, I remember there was a few years in particular where I would get the pictures and I would tear them up and throw them out right away. So my parents wouldn't have a chance to keep them because I hated how I looked. And I was like, I never want to have evidence of this at all. And there was one time I think that, um, 
they got, I, I wasn't able to do that. I don't know if they got sent to my house or somebody else dropped them off. I can't remember. And my mom, um, you know, I saw that my mom had them and I was like, I don't want, can we please throw those out? I don't want them. This is me as like a young teen yeah. um, or even preteen. And she says, I understand how you're feeling. Can I just keep one? And it can be a small one, but just for me. And you might not always feel this way about these photos. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so she let me throw the majority of them away, but she did keep one. Yeah. And I'm so glad that she did keep one because now I can look at that and say, that was really hard to go through. And then, but I so appreciate that I went through it now, but I, I didn't feel that way at the time. I just had real, I had my, my skin was like every pore on my face was a pimple. I had really, really like cystic yeah. acne and stuff. And I was always greasy and awkward. And I just had like, you know, a lot of bushy eyebrows. I was always like half sunburnt. I had braces and like all the things that, that could go like, make you feel uncomfortable were on my face, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so now I look at that and I'm like, yeah, I'm glad that, that made me who I am, even right. though it, it sucked at the time. And I, you, know, you couldn't pay me enough to go through it again or go back in time and experience it again. Um, but yeah, that, that struck a chord with me big time, that visual of the photo. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, that takes me back big time. Yes. And kudos to Jonah Hill for being vulnerable because yes. it is that idea that vulnerability can be contagious because it does make you go, oh, okay. Somebody else felt like this. Look at him putting himself out there in this way. And God, I mean, was there anything worse than school picture day for people's confidence growing? Right. Like, I also remember absolutely tearing myself to shreds. And because you'd get eight by tens. I mean, they were so big. We don't oh, get eight by tens of just our face anymore for any reason. Like, oh. even on your wedding day, it's Please you and another person and it's yeah. zoomed out more. Like, it's yeah. it, it just was not meant to make you look or feel good and I remember also having a really hard time with school picture day and getting those photos and picking just absolutely picking my face apart and yeah. um but one of the exercises that Phil Stutz walks Jonah Hill through with the shadow self is he says okay I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture what your shadow self looks like whether that's, you know, like physically, whether that's you're picturing the parts of you emotionally that you're insecure about. But he says, talk to your shadow and listen. So how does he or she feel about how you've treated her or him? Yeah. Yeah. And so in that experience, Jonah Hill says that he feels like he's like completely been shut out, like complete rejection, right? And then Stutz asks him to ask a shadow, what can you do to make up for it? And um, I think I'm remembering this right, that he just said that he wants to be included. Right. Right. Yes. Just yeah. Accepted and included and be a part of his life going forward. And I do really feel like that's kind of a similar version to what I had to do to to love myself was just that like radical acceptance of all of me like no more yeah. conditional love no just loving the parts of me that I felt like represented um achieving things or accomplishments or whatever it was like really loving um loving myself through and through which is just it's not easy I don't feel like we get set up in society to feel that way about ourselves but totally Totally. Yeah, it has, yeah. um, it has really changed my life for sure. Oh yeah. That was, that was a good, and yeah. What better way to like include his shadow self than a giant photo of him at his most insecure point. Like I thought there was just a lot of really powerful moments for me. One of the most powerful moments was like this reveal spoiler alert, um, is Jonah uh, during, you know, part of the filming, he just like stops for a second and he tells his psychiatrist, like, I've, I've been catching myself in this perfectionism and I've been lying and I don't know what to do. I want to change it kind of a thing. And so Jonah like takes off this wig that he's been wearing. Uh, basically what had happened is he tried to film the documentary to make it look like this was all recorded in one session in Stutz's office in like one therapy session. 
They had actually in reality been recording over two years. They were actually in a studio, not his office. And in order to make it look like it happened in one session, Jonah was wearing a wig because his hair had changed so much throughout over two years. Yeah. And he just was like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. And, and in the beginning of the documentary, Jonah felt very closed off to sharing about like his brother passing away and like his relationship with his mom. And by the end of the documentary, he was a little more, more willing to share. He talked about a little bit uh, his brother and then actually interviewed his mom or had a conversation with her on camera. So that happened over the course of two years. Yeah. And I just thought like, fucking yes, that was so juicy. I, nice. I was, that really hooked me. Um, yeah to to finish everything because i'm like this is going to be real shit now like this is going to get into some some deep stuff and i think um what like a tremendous amount of permission he just gave everybody else tuning in to just be honest and be authentic and stop trying to put on this like facade you know of like this is here's this perfect piece of art that we've filmed in an hour yeah um I, I just thought that was so good. And I love that. I know that really helped me too, just of how I approach my own work and projects. So that was great. I think the tool that stood out for me the most um, that Stutz shares was the string of pearls. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that one was really fun. Um, basically he describes, he, he draws like this pearl necklace with little mini like black dots within the pearl necklace or whatever. And he just says, you know, every pearl is an action and um, they're all similar size sizes. So whether it's a big or small action, it's all the same. It's all part of this like string of pearls that you can create. And the little tiny spot inside the pearl is a turd because <laughs> there's no such thing as perfect action. And so it's like, there's a little turd and then it's coated with like a pearl, you know, whatever yeah. pearl coating. And that's mm-hmm. what your actions are. And I fucking loved that. And I was like, you know, for me, I honestly feel a little the opposite in the way of I feel like when I think of an idea, it feels like a pearl. And then when I actually do the action, it's a turd. So I feel like I'm wearing a turd (laughs) necklace with little (laughs) tiny pearls inside the turds. Um, But still, like that visual is helpful too. (laughs) Oh my God. I loved that. I loved that part. (laughs) I loved it too, because I think, I know that perfectionism is an ongoing battle for me. That is something that uh, I think when we talk about that you can't get rid of your shadow self, perfectionism is one of those like, mm, that might die in me. That might die is like within my shadow self is that perfectionism will always be something I have to struggle against because it doesn't, it doesn't bring me joy. And I think perfectionism has good um, intentions where it wants you to succeed, but it's just really for me, it sucks joy out of a lot of situations and him giving you almost like a guarantee in that visual of the string of pearls where it's like, there will be a turd in everything. It doesn't matter how great the action you take is. It won't be perfect because perfect doesn't exist. Yeah. And there's some, I mean, like we've heard that a billion times that perfectionism doesn't exist, but again, it's like in those visuals, there's something very peaceful about seeing a little turd and a pearl where you're like you know what yeah and then it it like it does let you almost like look for whatever the turd is right and be like oh yeah there it is yeah cool as a given not as like a like it helps you to take it less personally when you find the turd because you're like but there's always going to be yes and everybody has a turd necklace everybody's a turd necklace I love it. It's like, you could, like, you could think you could start off watching this documentary and think, wow, Jonah Hill, like his life must be fucking incredible. He's a movie star. He's this. And then you start to learn about him. Like, yeah, he's been through some shit, you know, it's like, everybody's got the turds. And um, yeah, I just, I love it. And um, I also really was, did you, were you surprised when he showed? Um, so apparently what the day that his brother passed away, he went into Stutz's office and Phil took a picture of him at that moment and they were talking about the photo for a while before they showed the picture. Were you surprised by the expression on his face? Yes. And what it was? I was so surprised by that. I was was, too. I was thinking, oh my God, he's about to show us this picture of him like in the fetal position, bawling his eyes out. I was like, oh God, this is going to be really hard. And then he showed this picture 
And there was just like a kind of more like a peaceful acceptance on his face. And then Phil said, yeah. And, and Jonah had not looked at it since his brother died. And he was like, yeah, I'm surprised by how I look, I think in that. And Phil just said, well, it's a picture of somebody who's been through hell and back and survived. And I was like, Oh, something like that. I was like, wow, that is, that's an interesting thought to document yourself in a moment like that after hearing that, like, you know, somebody that you love has just passed away. Like, what do you actually look like? I, I thought that was interesting. Yes. He said that Jonah was like, I'm surprised at how serene I look. Yes. And so when he looked, when he flipped the picture over, it was like, wow, that's a perfect, that's the word I would have had come to mind first as well as he looks serene. It's this like weird piece of maybe your worst fear has happened and you survived it. Right. And uh taylor you know has done that on instagram where she's posted those like the series of photos of herself after a panic attack oh right where it's kind of like documenting for herself hey you survived a panic attack so that when you're having one she would then go look at those pictures and know that she was going to get through it oh interesting yeah so i think there's absolutely something to like to documenting documenting a very dark time to be able to look back and be like, remember that and look at where I am now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I really appreciated that part and him showing us that. Um, I also really liked the idea of your life force. Did you like that part too, Kyle's like, um, such a simple concept of just, you know, when you're feeling if you're feeling stuck or depressed or whatever, if you just go inward and you focus on your life force and he, uh, Stutz explains this in kind of like a pyramid in a way where it's like, um, kind of at the, the bottom end of the pyramid is just, you know, simply taking care of your body, then taking care of like the relationships you have, and then taking care of the relationship you have with yourself, all those different things. And, once, once you start doing that and kind of reconnecting with your life force, things kind of start falling into place or you start kind of seeing things differently. And I think that's just a simple tip of, um, if you're ever feeling in a weird spot or transitional spot and you don't know what to do, that's like the something or the action that you know, that you can take. And that will be a good thing. Even if you're like, I don't know what job to do. I don't know. I don't know what partner to have. I don't know what this if you go inward. So I really like that advice too, is like nurturing your life force. Yes. As well. That's such a good one. That was a really great one. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I also really loved the grateful flow and the gratitude and when you are stuck in a place where you've kind of got that black cloud over you you're you're ruminating on something you're catastrophizing and you're having a hard time breaking out of that headspace this is something i loved about him he takes certain things i think we've all heard before but it's like he remixes them and makes them so much more effective so we've all heard of making gratitude lists whether you're physically writing them down or you're just sitting there trying to think of things you're grateful for to break you out of it. But what he talks about is, okay, so when you're feeling that way, a feeling dark, sit down, think of three or four. He just says, think of three or four things that you are grateful for. And after that, just start to get out of the idea of like continuing, continuing to list things. Cause you don't want right. to be like digging 
it's like less i think what he says is that puts you in a different headspace where you're just like trying to dig for things on your list he says but rather focus on the state you're in and the feeling that you're feeling of being full of gratitude and that that is the grateful flow like focusing more on how that feels rather than trying to rack your brain over and over and over to make like a 50 thing long list of of gratitude. Yes. I do love that so much because I think it can kind of keep you in your head when you're just thinking of things to list and this gets you kind of more in your body and feeling and present. And I do love the visual of that is like his little, I think his, his picture was like, it's you and there's a giant rain cloud, but above the rain cloud is this beautiful bright sun and you just have to pierce the cloud with that ray of sunshine to kind of like remember you know that it's there um but yeah that was that was really good too I liked I liked that approach to gratitude a lot same yeah Mm -hmm. um what's another thing that you really liked um I think the the, he talked about the maze um that part of yourself that really just keeps you stuck and Mm -hmm. it's his visual is just like a circle that keeps going into a circle. It goes nowhere. And that that's the stuff that keeps you, you know, it keeps you stuck in the past when you're always focusing on past resentment, past anger, hurt, all those things. Um, you can't move forward. You just keep going in a circle. And, um, I, I thought that was really a simple, but very effective visual too, of like, are you in the maze or are you, kind of moving forward are you like in the radical kind of acceptance mode and what is like the next action that you want to take i yes the visual of that was so effective because he shows the maze as almost a subcategory of life where it's like yeah time doesn't stop in the maze whatever time you spend in the maze is time you don't get back yes you choose how long you want to stay there and feel stuck there but you you won't get that time back and everything else in life is moving forward. So it's up to right. you when you want to join back in with that forward movement of life. And gosh, I thought that was super powerful. And I have definitely been stuck in mazes for sure in my mind and definitely wish I could get that time back. Yeah, I think is that when he brought up like the the concept of active love is like, Do you want to be right or do you want to create something new? Do you want to be right about the people or things that that wronged you and stay in that maze? Or do you want to do something different? Yes. You know, like, do you want to actually choose a different thought or path now? Um, But you want to wait for an apology that you might never get. Yes. Are you going to let something that's out of your control keep you from moving forward in your life? It's like... Yes. Brutal. Yeah. How did you feel about his, the loss processing visualization that he talked about too, where it's like, if you're having a hard time processing a loss or you're scared to lose something, it, it, the visual was like, picture that you are hanging from a tree branch and you let go of the tree branch and you fall and then you fall and you basically like hit the surface of the sun and that's where you land. All you can do do is just uh give and like emit energy and that's it like you lost the thing now what i thought that was cool too it's like okay let's pretend that you do lose all the things that you're scared to lose now what um i know for me that really helps like i know a lot of people do not like thinking about worst case scenarios with everything but i have to like that's just helps my anxiety so much so i think about worst case scenario with literally everything and I all, and then I, I I tell myself, okay, well, what would I do if that happened? And I, I have plans. Like I I have a game plan. If that happens, I know where I'd move to. I know what I would do. And that just gives me like a little bit of peace, uh, in the like worst possible situation. So I don't keep ruminating over it. I'm like, oh, I've already talked about that and already have a plan for that. Yeah. (laughs) It, it, It's funny because that was a part that I felt some resistance to watching it just because I think for me, it's like such a, the idea of loss is really present with me all the time. Um, When I talk on the show about the member of my family who has the um, terminal health condition, you know, loss has become like a really something that's on the forefront of my mind. 
all the time. So I had a hard time looking at that visual where it's like, okay, imagine that, imagine truly like you go through that loss and, and what that would be like to just also like you be gone, right? That's what the visual is essentially is like, you just become sunlight. And how did you feel about him saying that we need to think of something after death? That like that is the key to kind of almost feeling less afraid is some idea of rebirth and that's like as close as we can get to God. Well, you know what? I remember from one of our long time ago, we had somebody on uh, the episode. I think we were talking about death. We remember that that death doula on? Yeah. She was Mm -hmm. so good. She was so good. And I talked to her about like my fear of death was constant. It's like a daily thing that I'm always thinking about. Right. And she said, well, do you know what you believe in? Because that's the problem. Like that's the problem is you probably haven't landed on what you believe in. And that would probably provide you with some comfort. I was like, fuck, you're right. I don't really know what I believe in. I'm just kind of floating around. So I do feel like solidifying that a little bit more for myself has helped with that fear and anxiety, but it's like, it's not like I actually know. It's just what my best educated guess is that I feel feels right for me. So I, I understand that concept of maybe spending a little time on what you feel about that. Yeah. You know, I don't know about you, but uh, because I think you're right. I think that that does, if you can settle on something, I can totally see how that would make you feel more comfortable with the concept of death. Right. If you can never feel settled on it, (laughs) the thought of it makes me more anxious because I am such a, I'm such a stubborn person. I'm such a, like, I want to know, like, I don't, I'm not great with gray area. And it yeah. is hard that we don't know that answer for sure. Yeah, and it really it's is. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. It's <laughs> just based on faith in whatever you feel. Right. And um, I, I haven't landed on something. And yeah. I haven't, I think, really had to until everything with this family member. And then I've been ha- having to think about, like, what do I believe is going to happen to them? Right. Right. And there are things I think about that are way more comforting than other things. It's just like, how how much do I believe that? Yeah. Yeah. So hard. I mean, it's so funny because Cam and I are so opposite in that department. Like he believes that nothing happens and I'd be like, oh, hopefully like energy goes on or something. Right. Like That's the same. 100%. Very different approaches and they both bring us peace. Yep. Like Cam is like, nothing happens. Well, I want to be worried about that. Why worry? Can't control it. Uh, nothing. And he, for that, for him, he's like, yeah, that's great. Like nothing happens. So not, this won't be a problem where I'm like, oh, if nothing happens, it's a huge problem for me. <laughs> I'm like I need to believe that something goes on because for me, if I felt like there's nothing, then I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here or what any of this means or why even try and show up. And for him, it's the, the opposite. It's like, well, live it up because there's probably nothing. So it's very 100- interesting how it's got to be so personal to you. 100%. Because you and I, we talk about that we have that same part of our personality that wants to live life to the fullest. Yes. Like we always want to experience as much as we can and and all of that. And so I think for us, the concept of that ever fully stopping is the most terrifying. Yes. A thousand percent. Yes. We're like, well, this time seems so short. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. It. Yeah. And I am. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I know I'm very aware that a lot of, can we talked about who do we have on? Oh, the human design (laughs) person, right? My insatiable nature of like, I want to do the next thing. I acknowledge and I'm aware that a lot of that stems from my fear of death where I don't know if I'll have tomorrow. So I want to experience as much as I fucking can because I don't know. And I'm even this way with gift giving. I don't know if you, if you resonate with this Kels, where if I 
if I'm giving a gift to somebody and it arrives early, I have a really hard time waiting until I, uh, I'm supposed to give it to them. Like Christmas gifts or anything. Mm. If if it arrives like a month early, I'm like, Cam, let's do an early thing because I want to give this to you because I know it's deep rooted in an anxiety of like, what if I'm not here tomorrow or you're not? And I wasn't able to give you this gift that that is meaningful. It's such rooted in in fear. And I have I've had to like do a lot of work around that where I'm like, okay. I, it's okay to wait and give the gift at that time, but it's also okay to give it early if you really want. But I know it's, it's deeply rooted for me. And, um, I think a lot of it is because I was exposed to a lot of early deaths. Uh, when I was younger, I saw it was, you know, there's been a couple child, uh, deaths in my family. There were, when I was a teenager, people very close to me lost somebody very close to them. So like, I, you know, I'm like, I know that this can end tragically and unexpectedly. And I think it really gives me this lens of like urgency in a way, which is not always healthy. Yeah. And to, I guess, pull the curtain back a little bit, the way that they did on the documentary where Jonah Hill revealed that he was wearing a wig when the documentary started and that they actually been taking years to do it. So for me, (laughs) Today, like, I had watched the first half of the documentary maybe a week or two ago when you and I had started talking about it. Yeah. And then I was traveling, and um, I finished the second half of it this morning before we recorded. And I, um, when it hit that part of the documentary about loss and, and like, what happens when you experience that and how you will handle it, I was, like hysterically crying like 20 minutes before we recorded today because like if you see me on youtube today you'll be like kelsey's look better (laughs) but i just um yeah it's welding instructor alex declare knows vr training platforms like forge fx help students master their skills There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And I talk about like always not being sure how much I want to share on the podcast about all of that with with my family member. But it's um, it's just so fucking hard. And like these are, I think, big human concepts that we're always all trying to navigate is like feeling trying to find some way to feel comfortable about inevitable death, whether it's like your own or your loved ones. But um, yeah, I'm like, oh, don't want to start crying again, but like, I'm terrified. I'm like, yeah, so terrified to lose this person. Yeah. So when something is put in front of me that makes me have to like really think about it, it makes me realize how much time I spend every day trying to not think about it, you know? Right, right. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, Kel. Oh. I know it's hard to talk about. Um, okay. I think I'm more, you- to be honest, I'm more self-conscious about how I look today on Zoom. Oh, you look cute. I almost I would like have I known. wanted to be like, hey, there's a reason why I don't <laughs> look good. So I don't oh, know. Oh, I think you look adorable. Well, thanks. Um, that school so- picture day, me kicking in. Being <laughs> right. Yeah. Shadow self is creepy. Shadow self. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about the relationship between Jonah and Phil, because I feel like a lot of people will think it's controversial, um, but I really appreciated it. The fact that it's not, it doesn't seem to just be a a client psychiatrist relationship. There is a friendship, there is love. They tell each other they love each other. There's even part of it where Jonah kind of helps Phil through something like a romantic relationship thing that he's experiencing. It's just, there's more reciprocity in that relationship than I think the traditional model of like therapist patient type of thing. How did you feel about all that? Well, I thought that they have a truly beautiful relationship and I think it's very neat to get to see that. Um, I do think it makes it a little like, huh, how how would other people navigate that? Because we're all told that there's a very specific boundary with a mm-hmm. client and therapist relationship where like, I mean, you don't traditionally say that you love your therapist to right. them and vice right. versa. Right. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it seems to work very well for them. I feel like I would 
maybe be uncomfortable letting that boundary get like I really appreciate that my relationship with my therapist is so um objective that she is an objective person in my life yeah and I like that because the frankly the fact that we don't tell each other we love each other makes her different from the other people in my life and that's part of why she's important to me because I want to talk to somebody who is not a a family member or a friend sometimes about certain things in my life. So I kind of like that boundary, to be honest. And I'm a very lovey, affectionate person, but I like that it's like that. How about you? Oh, very much. Oh, I totally agree. I think I I appreciate that they were honest about that, you know, like that they developed this love and friendship over time and that it's normal to do that. That's like a normal human experience. You might not get that with everybody in your life, you know, any doctor, therapist, whatever. But I think it did live, it left me feeling like, where is the boundary there? Like yes. if they hang out outside of the office, where does friendship begin and therapy end? And I, I'm wondering, like, I think that's just kind of a fascinating situation. And like, does he still see him as a client? Does he not? Like, right. I don't know. It, it did leave me like with a lot more questions, but when you work with somebody that long and that intimately, I'm sure it's really hard not to develop develop a love or friendship in that setting, especially because like they have a very funny, like sarcastic banter back and forth with each other and stuff like that. So I just thought it was interesting. And I could only relate it to the fact that, you know, some of my clients have been with me for like three years, like a long time. And you learn about, even though we're working on business, right? You learn about all these different things in their life. You learn about their family. If they're having a hard time, it shows up in their business and you take space to like, talk about that, even though you're not coming from like a therapy standpoint. And so for me, I think, um, I do, I do really care about my clients. Like I absolutely love my clients and, and, and I can't like pretend that I don't, I care about their needs more than just somebody who gives me money. And so I think I appreciate the fact that he's allowing people to be honest about that, that a therapist or business consultant, whoever, they're also a human being, even though you're in that relationship, obviously boundaries are very important and have to be there. But I think it made me feel less like bad or guilty about feeling that way about somebody in a professional setting where it's like, you know, I really care about this person beyond business. Is that okay or normal? Should I, do I need to do something differently because I'm feeling that way? And they express the same thing, the same feeling with me. Um, Now, does it happen after one session? No, (laughs) but like when you work with somebody that closely, I think that's a normal thing. Um, But I also do appreciate in my, having a therapist who, like you said, Kels, it is very objective and there is not that that type of thing. Right. Because for me, if somebody was saying they loved me, I, I I don't think I could show up authentically in therapy. I would get into people pleasing mode and I would be maybe nervous about losing that relationship. And so I, I that's gotta be a really hard line to, uh, to walk on. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, whole like self-love thing and how I'm saying I feel like that's been my biggest arc uh over the years on the show would also I I mean boundaries go hand in hand with that I do feel like I've gotten a lot better with boundary setting but I remember a therapist I had years and years ago I told her by the end of my sessions with her I think I'd been seeing her for maybe like a year ish I told her that I had started to find it hard to be completely open with her about certain things I was feeling because I just wanted to be friends. Like I felt that part of me, that people pleasing part of me, just wanting to be friends with her. And she's like, okay, like, I really appreciate you telling me that that's really important for you with your next therapist is because I was like, I was moving to another city. She's like, that's an important thing for your next therapist is like, you really need to use that time to work through. Cause like, why then why are you paying me? Right. Like, you don't need to pay to have another friend. Like what, right. that's not what the work is. And so I have found that since then, um, any therapist I've had, the relationship has been so like, so great and so professional. And 
I don't even feel like I could authentically say that I love them because I don't know them personally. They have been professional with me where they don't show me, like that's not what the sessions are for. They're not telling me what's going on in their life. There's a professional boundary from them. I love um, who they are for like how they've showed up in my life. I love the help that they've given me and the tools they've given me, but I feel like love is when you really know somebody in and out and love who they are. But I wouldn't, I don't think I could say that authentically about my therapist because I don't know them like that. Yeah, totally. It, It makes me wonder like how that relationship developed between Jonah and Phil, like how that happened because I've only experienced therapy where I don't really know much about them. I might get an example of things here and there. Um, and sometimes I feel like it, it feels like a good fit. And sometimes I feel like, God, I really wish I could connect more to you as just human to human. Yeah. And for me, I learn, um, through examples. Like if somebody can say, Hey, this is what you're, what you're going through. I went through something similar and here's kind of what happened or here's some similar. And of course the therapist cannot do this with like confidentiality stuff, but like, here's some examples of like some of my other clients, what they've gone through and what they did. I like being able to learn from other people's experiences. So when I'm just having to deal with my own, it feels like I'm by myself in a void. And I really appreciate like if somebody could give me like, you know, on a silver platter, here's like 10 different scenarios and options and results of what happened. What's feeling like a good fit for you as a next step. Um, so yeah, I think it's just interesting. I also think therapy is changing a lot because a lot of people are, um, ditching that just traditional model and, um, not it's, it's obviously there for a purpose, but there's a lot of new, uh, practices and like new models popping up because yeah. of, you know, just from, from speaking to so many mental health professionals, they feel like they had, they hit a wall at some point with people where, mm. um, they get stuck in processing mode and they can't, they're not allowed to pull them forward because, of the restrictions in place. Uh, um, and so they feel very limited and restricted in what, you know, what they're doing sometimes. And so for them to be able to kind of express themselves more creatively and actually do the work that they feel is, uh, really effective, they have to kind of shift things up. They can't always do it by the book. Right. So interesting. So fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I also really loved when they brought Jonah's mom, in. Right. And they talked about um, his relationship with her, especially growing up, and some of the shame he felt from her about his weight and how that impacted um, his romantic relationships and just how he felt women looked at him in general because that was his primary female relationship was with his mom and his, you know, his first female relationship. And yeah, that's, it's just such a, an interesting, and then Phil was able to relate to that as well and say how his mom's relationship with men impacted how he felt in relationships. Yes. And I just, uh, I think that's always, I, 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 I'm sure not a lot of people end up going to therapy with their parent. I don't think that happens super frequently, but I think when it does, man, can that help a lot of people. Absolutely. It just shows you like, gosh, if you don't deal with your own shit, you just project it onto everybody else without realizing it. It's like, if you've ever, that spoke to me a lot. It's like, if you've ever been around, cause he was talking specifically kind of about body image and weight and how I think that he said that his mom kind of grew up, you know, being told a certain thing about her body image. And then she kind of, you know, knowingly or subconsciously was kind of like, projecting that onto him without realizing it was harming him or whatever. Um, and if you've ever been in that position where, you know, somebody's like deep rooted insecurity, maybe it is about body image or anything else and how it shows up with how they comment on other people or about other people around that topic. It's so transparent if you know what's going on, but if you don't, it can be really harmful because you can take it personally. Like I, you know, I've been around somebody with like a, you know, a lot of insecurity around body image and then 
the comments to me are about like what I'm eating or this or that. And I'm like, oh, this is really an, luckily I've done the work where I'm like, oh, this is really an issue for them. Not yeah. for me. I feel fine. But like, this is really something that they're struggling with. Right. Um, but if you aren't aware of that, that could, and it's still hard. It's can be hurtful. Even when you are aware of it, it can yeah. be harmful, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to talk about with it? I think that covers it. I think it's, I think it's worth a watch if you want to tune in and take your own notes and, you know, see what resonates with you. Yeah. And there are plenty of other tools that he talks about that we did not cover. And, and so that way you'll also be, you know, it, it's not just going to be stuff you've heard here. It really is a, a very fascinating watch, I think. Yeah. I think it was well done. Well done. This iTunes review is from Sia at school. And it says, yes, woman, thanks to the pandemic, because I fell in love with you guys. Thanks for everything you do share. Hope y'all stay safe and well. Thank you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah. Thanks keep taking the time. Yes. Keep those iTunes reviews coming in, guys. It helps helps our show pop up on iTunes and the algorithm and all that robot yeah. stuff. Yeah. The more people that find it, the more people that, you know, feel comfortable, you know, talking about their mental health and taking action on their mental health and... That's what we. That's what we're here for. Yeah, yeah, and and I feel like we say this every now and again. But if you do really love the show and you have like a coworker or a friend or family member that you think would also love it, please um, let them know about it because that yeah. I feel like is such a an easy way to get the word out. It's just word of mouth. So we would love if you've got people in your life that you think would like the show. Absolutely. We also have a Patreon community too at patreon.com slash self helpless, where if you want to influence like the topics that we share on the show, you can submit topics, vote on them. You can submit quotes that get on the show, recommendations, all that. So um, yeah, you can check that out as well. Nice. Well, Del, right. do you have a segment? Um, I do. I have a good shit moment. Um, I saw Lizzo live recently. Oh, have I talked God, about that yet? Right. Yes, we <laughs> talked about it on the phone the day after you went. Okay, yeah. Oh, man, it was so fun. It was just, it just felt like a warm hug being, you know, <laughs> seeing Lizzo live. It's just like a self-love fest. And yes. it was so fun. Lots of color, lots of sparkle, lots of freaking great energy. And because this was so cool, I didn't know this at the time, but, um, and I went with my friend Courtney, uh, we went and we didn't know that they were filming the concert because it was like the last show of her tour. Mm -hmm. So they were filming it for one of those like live concert TV specials. So there were special appearances. Um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on who dropped in. I know that I've told you Cardi B dropped Cardi B. in and Missy Elliott. So we I saw all three. When you told, God damn it. I freaked we out when you told me that Miss Yelly was there. We saw all three of them in one night, baby. It was, uh, it was a hot deal. Yeah, I'm not like a big concert goer. I don't really go to concerts. It's just not yeah. my like go-to activity. But um, yeah, my friend Courtney uh, had a friend that could not go at the last minute. And so she basically said, you want to come? And I'm like, you know what? Sure. I will. I will not be a grandma for the night. Uh, I will, I will get out of my house and I'm glad I did. It was a blast. That's awesome. I am so happy yeah. to hear that. It was a good time. Kels, what you got? Well, this is, I mean, this is a little lame, but I think it's like a good reminder. Nonetheless, I, um, I recently went through all of my stuff, did like a really deep, inventory clean of like my closet um of like the sort of storage closet parts of your apartment where you just shove shit and then you forget it's in there a few months later i just kind of went through everything yeah. and did such a big drop off at goodwill and man oh. that's like a little cocaine kick it's, it's just man, i have never done coke i don't know what it feels like but i would imagine it's just like there's something about it, it feels really good to like get rid of stuff like whatever that energy involved in it, because a lot of it, it's like sometimes it's old clothes that just don't represent you anymore. It's this very cathartic. It feels like you're almost letting go of parts of you that you are ready to move on from. Yes. Oh, it's addicting. It is addicting. Yeah. So I did a, I did a Goodwill run, felt good. Um, just a reminder, if you haven't done a deep clean in a while, 
sometimes it's fun to night like to do it on a um on your phone like a technology clean mm-hmm. go through your photo album make room yeah. on your phone just all that stuff so love it yeah well, you guys, um, I cannot wait to be in Philly and Portland in February. Come see me there. Go to KelseyCook.com. Get those tour date tickets. And yeah, yeah see you on the road. Fabulous. And yeah, yeah, tell the mental health professional in your life. Uh, they want to come over to DelaneyFisher.com and sign up to get my free podcast. We talk about how to you know, scale your business authentically and sustainably. And uh, also going to be starting to give a lot more you know, resources, media opportunities through there as well. So we'd love to have you. Come on over. Awesome. All right, guys. Cool. We hope you're doing well. Happy Monday. Have a great week. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast so we can repost you and say thank you. Yeah.